Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up, two o'clock on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? You missed me back there? This is day, like, 112 that I've been broadcasting from home. You doing all right? You missed yeah, me? Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. I mean, Laura, I mean, we've, I haven't had Mitch for three days. Lauren's done a great job pinch hitting, and Eric's yeah, handled everything like a true pro. It's, uh, yeah, so it's always God. better when you're back in studio, but, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to work from home. I, you know what? It just makes me glad to here it warms my heart to know that everything's going all right without me there and that everything is fine and we're still doing the show people listening from home probably can't even hardly tell the difference but uh uh yeah except for that little buzzing is... sound that comes out of your comrex every few minutes it's just <laughs> <laughs> wait what you mean this one here but... no you don't even know it but like whatever the sound is yeah well, no I'm, I'm i'm doing it right now is that you talking about that one? Oh right no there? no i wasn't even talking about that one i'm talking about the one you, you probably don't even hear Oh, okay. There's <laughs> that one, too. Okay, good. Good. Uh, now, uh, upon my return, um, bad news is I, I don't owe you lunch anymore. You do not. You do not owe me even, lunch. Tom Brady. Tom Brady retired. <laughs> oh, man. Looked into that camera. Got the wind in the background. And uh-huh, just said, that's uh-huh. it. I'm retiring. I thought, I bet I really thought he was going to play. I really thought he was going to play. Honestly, that was a bet. I probably shouldn't say this because... You know, we're null and void now. That was a bet. I, I wanted to take back, take that one back like yeah, 24 hours yeah, ago. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think he's going to come back and play now. I wish I hadn't made that bet. I'm glad I did. Yep. I don't know you lunch anymore. I saw you mocha, you know, from you one of you our do. other bets. Yeah, was, we'll get that squared away. But I don't know you lunch anymore because Tom Brady retired. We'll talk about uh, Tom's retirement part two on the exact same day he retired a year ago. People are having all sorts of fun with that. That is not our top story of the day. Let's tell you what is our top story of the day here. Here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. So there's um, a whole different bunch of varieties of it. The Magnificent 7. There was a remake of it like six years ago with Denzel and Chris Pratt. And okay, do you the remember? original. All right, I can name... T- four guys from the original Magnificent 7 by heart. Okay, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson was my favorite. Yule Brenner. Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Eli Wallet. Oh, I don't know him. James Coburn. And James Coburn. Yeah. That's five. But that's five. There's two more. Oh, hold on. The Magnificent Seven. Charles Bronson was my favorite actor when I was a kid, man. I love Charles Bronson. Death Wish? Like, he was a badass. He was like the one, like, you, you know how to mess with Charles Bronson. Uh, Robert Vaughn. And I think the other one was Brad Dexter. Robert I know Robert Vaughn. Vaughn. Okay. I don't know Brad Dexter. Yeah. Robert so Vaughn. All right. Those were the Magnificent Seven. And then, of course, they remade it a few years ago. The reason why we're bringing up the number seven is because, as of right now, it's seven. Seven candidates for the Arizona Cardinals coaching search. Whether they're magnificent or not is entirely up to you. You can make that determination if you're listening to us right now. But as of right now, the known seven available candidates for the Arizona Cardinals coaching job now that Sean Payton is in Denver are Vance Joseph, Aaron Glenn, Giro Aviro, Brian Flores, Lou Anarumo, 
Brian Callahan and Mike Kafka. Is one of them magnificent? You don't need all seven of them to be magnificent. Can one of those guys be magnificent? Please. Two of, of them, two of them had, have, have head coaching experience. Vance Joseph and Aaron, and, Aaron, and uh, Brian Flores. Yes. Vance Joseph and Brian Flores have head coaching experience. Aaron Glenn does not. Zero Evero does not. Lou Adarumo does not. Brian Callahan, Mike Kafka do not have experience. So if they want to go with a guy that has experience, you're down to Brian Flores and Vance Joseph for the job. If not, if you hire anybody else that's on this list, you're hiring a first-time coach like you did with Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and like we've talked about you know, a lot, of this whole list kind of skews defensive. Five of the magnificent Seven are defensive-minded coaches in Vance, Aaron Glenn, Ajiro Vero, Brian Flores, and Anna Rumo. Uh, Brian Callahan and Mike Kafka are the, the the two offensive guys. They can also be split into two different categories, and we've done this for our poll question today. Spoiler alert: in which we've kind of separated them into last week's candidates and this week's candidates, and whether it's going to be a this week guy or a last week guy. Um, I know you. I think you believe it's going to be a this week guy. I, I'm. Still open to the possibility it could be one of the names from last week, but I know you you are of the belief. If I'm not putting words in your mouth, you believe the next Cardinals head coach will be of the new guy list: Anarumo, Callahan, or Kafka. Correct? Yeah, because I think the fact that they came to that list that it was more than one guy it was like there's one guy we want to talk to before we make a hire. No, they're just like two, three guys on the list. So that to me signifies that they weren't blown away by any of the previous interviews that they did. That they've got to reach out and now go for some other candidates because. Um, you know, I think if they would have loved one of the other guys, that they, they would have hired him by now. That's my gut feeling. Nobody knows for sure. The only person that really knows this is Michael Bidwell, Mon- maybe Monty Austin for it. But outside right. of that, no, we don't know. Uh, speaking of underwhelming, um, the, that were kind of the takeaways from Dan Dugan this morning on the Bickley and Murata show. He covers the New York Giants, and his comments about Mike Kafka were kind of honest and quite frankly underwhelming Brian Dable is kind of a gregarious guy especially with his players maybe not always at the podium Kafka is definitely a more reserved guy so I was curious to see uh, how that would translate to like leading the whole team because you know obviously he led the offense but it's different when you have so many more dynamics when you're in the head coaching office compared to you're really just worried about what the offense is going to do so that is something that you know obviously I'm sure these owners are trying to figure out and get to know him better in these interviews because I can't answer that because again he's never been in that position but I don't know, like, looking at his personality and how he conducts himself, he isn't this huge presence. So I am curious how that would translate. All right, that's one from Dan Dugan. Let me play one more um, about Mike Kafka because, again, it was it, it was a little underwhelming. But he did say Mike Kafka is fully in charge of the offense in New York. The head coach question is the one that, you know, is, is impossible to answer. As, yep. as we see every year, you know, coaches get fired after one, two, three seasons. Just, you know, it's a constant revolving door. So you really don't know until a guy gets in that position. Um, but, you know, he does have have a really strong kind of lineage. You know, he played for a lot of different coaches, a lot of different systems, <clears throat> obviously very tightly linked to Andy Reid, and that coaching tree has been pretty fruitful. And I think it was very beneficial and very intentional by him to leave Kansas City to come here where he would get more exposure. Because in Kansas City, you're always going to be under that Andy Reid shadow. You know, he's the one who calls plays. It's his offense. Now, that's an interesting way of looking at it because we've seen the same thing happen to 
Eric Bieniemy. He's had a hard time getting jobs because he's always under sure. that Andy Reid shadow. Yeah, yeah, he should have a job. Eric Bieniemy should have a job. He's a, he's a heck of a coach, and I'm surprised that he doesn't have a job by now. Really, almost shocking that you could be on an organization with all that success and have a big part of it and not get a job, even if Andy Reid gets most of the credit. I mean, you're clearly learning from him, and uh, you know he knows what he's doing. Eric Bieniemy, uh, man, Cardinals didn't even interview him. I don't know. If, I don't know who did, um, but. You know he he hasn't got a job, and it's very interesting. I think the Colts did. Was that the only one that cycle, did? I think the Colts are the only one that interviewed Bieniemy in this cycle. Yeah, he's faded. I mean, almost completely now, which just seems crazy to think about it because they're just so good every year. But I, I think because in part Andy Reid is the play. Now that hasn't stopped guys under Sean McVay from getting jobs. I don't know why it would stop Eric Bieniemy. You know, it, guys under Sean McVay they're not play callers, and yet they get gigs, so I don't know why that would, you know, help those guys and hurt Eric Bieniemy. Um There's another thought out there, and I'm going to give Tyler Drake, our Cardinals writer at ArizonaSports.com, credit for bringing this up. Now that there's only two teams left, and it doesn't appear as if there's going to be any more, you know, the, the, the reason to rush is nullified a little bit here. You're only competing with the Colts now. Is it in the Cardinals' best interest to wait until closer to the Super Bowl being done so you can interview some Eagles guys if you wanted to, or some Chiefs guys? I suppose if we want to throw the enemy into the mix, what would at this point you've waited this long, you know, you've got the senior bowl. So obviously you've got stuff coming up and you've got assistant coaches being hired. Do you feel like they could wait another week, week and a half if they wanted to, if there was somebody on either one of those staffs they wanted to talk to the Eagles offensive coordinator has had interviews with some of these teams, but not the Cardinals. So would you want to go interview Steichen and, and bring him in? Possibly. I understand what you're saying. There's really no rush, right? Because you, you know, if you if you feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I, I just, it, when it clicks, it clicks. I mean, you know, I, I want it to click. You know, I want it. To, you want to hit it off with a candidate and feel like, oh my god, this is the right guy. And that's why, like, you know, when, whatever that may be, today, tomorrow, the next day, I, I don't think that's happened yet. If they go back to one yeah. of the other ones, I would question whether is that really the guy because you had to interview so many other people. Like you were, it seemed like you weren't sure that he was the guy. You want to interview the guy and be like, okay, this is the guy. Like this is yeah. this guy's going to be magnificent. Let's hire him. To your point, Shane Steichen, who I'm really intrigued by him. I mean, he's not Cliff Redo because he's not coming straight from college, so he's a little different. But he is an offensive coordinator, and he doesn't have the head coaching experience. I'm intrigued by him because of how well he's made a Jalen Hurts-led offense run, right? And that's, you know, I read a note the other day where Jalen Hurts is like really the first true two-way quarterback to advance to a Super Bowl. And part of the reason for that is Steichen and the way he's been able to design an offense around him. That intrigues me. That intrigues me because of Kyler. That intrigues me because of maximizing the value around Kyler. Uh, I just did a quick search. Shane Steichen has interviewed and completed interviews for the Colts and their head coaching job, for the Texans and their head coaching job, and for the Panthers and that job. But so, he has not done an in-person interview with the Colts. That is supposed to happen this week. They're going to Philly to interview him. Really? Yeah, they're going to Philly to interview him. He, they're supposed to travel to go interview him for the head coaching job. He did have an interview with them, but I think it was via the phone. So okay. now it's, the, you know, the, the, the word is that the brass of Indianapolis going to Philly this week. They're going to interview him in person.
And for what it's worth, and I'll mention this as we go into the break, the Philadelphia Eagles will be conducting their workouts for Super Bowl 57 at the Cardinals headquarters. You know, what's allowed, I don't know, but they're literally right there in their backyard next week working out, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Maybe that's a name that gets put on the Cardinals list, even though there's been no connection up until this point. When we come back here on this Wednesday edition of Burns and Gambo, there is a very common theme for most of the Suns trade rumors this year. They're all about OG. We'll discuss a possible Suns Raptors trade next to the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back with you on this Wednesday afternoon. A little bit of housekeeping uh, on the Suns, Gambo, before we get into OG Ananobi and just the overwhelming amount of rumors that are out there about the Suns and whether they're going to acquire him in one week and one day. Uh, Housekeeping item number one, Devin Booker today on his Twitter account uh, about an hour and a half ago. Just two words, round in third. That was all he said, round in third. I've got to imagine he's close. Got to imagine he's very close. Yeah, let's not stumble on your way home <laughs> and have to go back to third. That's right. Let's, let's make sure you stay up. Sure right. Score. <laughs> make sure. But, you I score. mean, listen. No matter what, I mean, it's it, today's the first. The ninth is the deadline, so he'll be on a. You know, within the next eight days, Jay Crowder will be on a new team sooner rather than later. Man, this is uh, this is getting old. It's getting tiresome. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Like it's time for him to go join a new team. It's time for the Suns to go get somebody. Yeah, and and like I say, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But Devin Booker now it doesn't sound like it's going to be tonight against the Atlanta Hawks, but it does sound like he's getting very very close if he's tweeting out things like rounding third. The other housekeeping thing to bring up real quick: interesting move by the Suns today. They waived Dwayne Washington Jr. and they re-signed Saban Lee. They made a little bit of a change on the back end of their bench, Gambo. Yeah, listen, I mean, I thought he kind of outplayed Dwayne Washington Jr. So um, I'm surprised. You know, I'm not surprised that this was the move. I mean, the Suns liked him. They obviously didn't want to take up another roster spot by signing him to the rest of the season, especially with the potential that they had two for one or three for one in a trade that may come down at the deadline. So you want to keep a roster spot open. Dwayne Washington has been okay for them. It hasn't been great. I think Saban Lee has actually been better. So he gets the two-way deal, and Dwayne Washington becomes a free agent. All right, now let's talk about him. Raptors in transition. Ananobi from Siakam, a reverse dunk is good for OG Ananobi, and we're even at eight. I lost track of the number of stories Gambo sent me today via the email on the Suns and OG Ananobi. Yeah. It seems like just about every trade deadline story being written at some point mentions the Suns' interested OG. Yeah, uh, Jeremy uh, Clough over at the uh, the Republic, AZ Central, does a really good job of like compiling all the rumors, and you know there it is. Toronto star, Suns among the favorites in odds to trade for OG Ananobi. The big lead, Suns a realistic trade option for OG Ananobi. Uh, the Athletic, Suns gave permission. Oh, that one, that one's not OG. Clutch points. Uh, Suns need to take a risk and trade for OG Ananobi. The Athletic, Suns monitoring the status of Raptors offensive guard OG Ananobi. Um, it just goes on and on and on. The Ringer, Suns should trade Crowder, Sarich, and three first-round picks for OG Ananobi. So you can just see where it goes. I mean, there's a lot of people that are starting to look at the Raptors and say, okay, if they're going to trade somebody, it's going to be OG Ananobi. Now, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of teams 
around the league over the last few days, and I do think if they do move somebody, it would be OG Adenobi or Gary Trent Jr. The Suns do not have interest in Gary Trent Jr. Some people think that they would move Van Vliet. I don't think that they will, but if they did, that is also not a player the Suns would target, Fred Van Vliet. So the one player they would target on them, because Siakam is not getting moved from what I've been told, the one player that does make sense is OG Adenobi. I mean, he's a big, strong wing player, very good defensively. Um, doesn't it doesn't do anything special offensively. He's, he's good in a lot of areas. He's 25 years old, but as we talked about yesterday, the problem is, ooh, he's had a lot of injuries over his career. He doesn't play a lot of games because he seems to be always injured. Yeah, that's the downside. The upside to him is that the combination of him and Mikel Bridges on the wings now, when you start talking about defensively, what those two guys can do depending on the matchup. And that was what, you know, the stuff you sent me today, one of the articles, I think it was on the Clutch Points article, said, you know, to be able to have Mikael Bridges and OG Ananobi to pester guys like Luka, to pester guys like Kawhi, to pester guys like Steph Curry come postseason time. Now, you know, can they get this done without sacrificing Cam Johnson? That's the big question. If they can't, if they can get this done without sacrificing Cam Johnson, then you start getting into money and how they're going to be able to afford to keep both and how highly unlikely it would be that they could afford to keep both. It gets into a whole kind of Pandora's box of questions after that if you have to choose between OG and Anobi and Cam Johnson. Um, maybe they seek to avoid that at least for the next couple of months, then make those tough decisions in the offseason. I don't know. Um, I, it, it just depends on... So i, I got to imagine if Toronto lets the world know that OG and Anobi is available, I can't imagine the Suns are the only ones going to be knocking on their door for him. Uh, there is going to be competition for him among teams that are going to the postseason. It will not just be the Suns in a vacuum who are interested in OG and Anobi. No, I think there was a report that the Knicks were willing to give up. Was it three first-round picks to get him? I believe that is the report. Yeah, yes. and, and that, you know that's a lot. So that's why I think, you know, and I've said all along from what I've been reporting since, I think, January 10th, to get a guy like OG Ananobi, you would, you, you would conclude you know, probably Jay in the deal, draft pick, one or two, and then I think it would be Cam Johnson. I, I You do the math and you can't, like maybe you could keep everybody for this year, pay the luxury tax and, you know, figure out a way to, to you know, next year what to do. Now remember, as a restricted free agent with Cam Johnson, you also have the ability to sign him and trade him. So sure. you, you do have that. You could do you could do sign and trades with guys. So that's always an option. If, you know, if they decided, okay, we're going to keep OG but not Cam, you can always sign Cam, trade him for a couple expiring contracts, you know, guys to replace guys that you're not bringing back, whether that's a Dario Saric or a Jay Crowder or a Bismack Biombo, whoever that may be, and then get some draft picks as compensation for Cam. This, this, so there are options that you could do it. I just don't foresee, unless Matt Ishbia comes in and says, man, I'm the Clippers. I'll pay a hundred million dollars. I want, I want, I'm keeping everybody. And, you know, because to keep Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton and OG Adenobi, the math really doesn't add up to anything that's realistic for an owner. Most owners, that's not gonna, because again, you get to the point where once you're over the tax, it's not dollar for dollar anymore. It becomes, you know, two dollars for a dollar, two fifty for a dollar. So there'll, there'll come a, there'll come a point where every dollar you're spending is Costing you two dollars and fifty cents for that player. We talked to Bobby Marks about OG Ananobi a couple of days ago. Well, I guess it depends on who the guy is, right? Who's the player? I mean, um, 
if Toronto loses three more games on this road trip and all of a sudden OG Ananobi becomes available, is he the guy, right? I think a lot of that has to, you know, and if that's the guy, then what happens with the next CBA? I've talked about this at length. It, the extension rules change where oh, you can extend OG this summer instead of waiting for, until he becomes a free agent, um, you know, in next offseason here. And I, and I don't know what's going to, that's way beyond my pay grade. I don't know what's going to happen with the CBA and if the rules are going to change. I suppose, in theory, you could, you know, well, I mean, there's questions you have to answer. Number one, do the Toronto Raptors insist on Cam Johnson? And if you're the Suns, do you sacrifice Cam? That's kind of question number one. Question number two, if you can swing this trade and you don't give up Cam Johnson, I would imagine in the short term you could certainly make it work while you go for it this year, but then those questions get transferred to the offseason. You, can you wait another year before you extend OG and Anobi? At that point, Chris Paul is most likely off of your books. Does that give you the flexibility to keep him and re-sign Cam Johnson this offseason. These are all cap questions and tax questions that are way, 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 way out of my league. I, I mean, I, I just have to do all kinds of homework to yeah. figure out you know, what that looks like and how possible that is. I, I know this. I know that a Suns starting five of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, OG Ananobi, DeAndre Eaton, with Cam Johnson coming off the bench, all go to battle with that. Let's let's see what that can do in the Western Conference because I think that group could do some serious serious damage in the West if they're all healthy. Yeah, and you could pay the you could just you know the Suns are over the tax threshold now, but like I said, it goes from a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy five to two fifty to three twenty five, and then it goes up fifty cents for every extra five million. I mean, you could get to the point where you're paying five dollars for a for a, uh, per dollar on a player. Like you, that that's what happens. Like you could get to that point where you know for every dollar. You you're spending on a player, you're actually spending five because of the tax. But you could get to that point where you just eat it this year and then see how that roster fits and which guys are which guys are good for you. Because you may get to the offseason and say, okay, can we trade DeAndre Ayton? You may get there and say, let's do a sign and trade with Cam Johnson. You may, so you may say, you know what, let's get off of Chris Paul and not pay him $30 million. And you, you can actually get to a point where you spread Chris Paul out over a number of years and it doesn't hurt you as bad. So it's not a bad way to look at it, Bernsey, where you kind of just like get everybody now, see how it fits and then decide who you've got to subtract at the end of the year. Texas, your thoughts on that to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, are you for real, Tom? Are you really done? Are you just promoting a movie? <laughs> These are the questions we were asking ourselves this morning at about 6.30. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Eric is standing by in the auction community studios with today's Twitter poll question of the day. Hello, Eric. How's it going, guys? Burnsy, we miss you. You're still far away, but we feel you here. We hear your voice every day. We love it. But the Cardinals, they are continuing their coaching search, and I decided to split it into two groups. Group A are the four candidates that we already knew that they had interest in, requested interviews with, or had talked B. Group B are the names that have been going down this week. So Group A is Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, Ajiro Aviro, and Aaron Glenn. Group B is Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, and Mike Kafka. Out of these two groups, which one will have the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Is it A, B, or neither? B. I love 
I love how Gambo treats the poll question like he's a contestant on a game show. Like if he like if he buzzes in before me, he gets he gets the right answer and he wins the money. I love that. That's we great. play that Family Feud sometime at our house. Like I'm a kid on one of his games. Like it's like just get a game that we could all could play because I can't play the games he plays. So he got Family Feud. So we'll play that. And the right. answer is uh, survey says right. Um, I you know what I. Brian Flores, A. I still think it's going to come from Group A. Brian Flores still. Survey says 54.5% are also rolling with Group A. 37.7% going Group B. 7.8% saying neither Group A or Group B has the next Arizona Cardinals head coach. That's the poll. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring. We're good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. If you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. And with that, there Tom it is. called it a career. That's right. One. And with that, I, we are even. I lost the lunch bet to you. We're even. The I lunch the that lunch I bet. owed you for betting on Tom Brady, I win back for betting against Tom Brady, I guess, is the way to look at it. Because uh, you and I made a bet several months ago that this was going to be the last season that he played. And even though I very much wanted to take that bet back about 24 hours ago, we didn't rescind it. And now I no longer owe you a lunch. What was your reaction when you saw that video today from Tom? I was a little surprised because I thought his options were going to be really good. I thought there were some really great situations that he could have went to uh, and had a chance to win again. I mean, there's no question that he still plays the game at a high level. He's not the best in the NFL anymore, but he still plays the game at a very high level. It's remarkable that somebody at 45 years old can play the game at the, the level that he plays at. It truly is. But it caps one of the most remarkable careers in all of professional sports that we've ever seen by anybody in any of the sports. What he's done. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time league MVP, throw all the numbers out there. I mean, J.J. Watt said, greatest of all time. No question, no debate. It's been an honor and a privilege. And P.S. The newly retired group meets on the golf course every morning at 10. Drinks are on the new guy, so bring your wallet. So that was J.J. Watt just congratulating him. Um, J.J.'s funny. He's so funny. You know, I'd, you know, I'd, I had always kind of hoped as uh, as a guy who, now listen, I, I respect Tom Brady. I think we all do. Wasn't a fan uh, of his because I don't like any of the Boston teams. So that's just that that's me. I, I, I was always hopeful in some ways that we would see a mortal Tom Brady and be like, okay, we never really saw that. I mean, even this year on a bad team, he was still, you know, led the league in certain categories in passing. We never seen, like, we saw a lot of players at the end. For me, Willie Mays with the Mets. Oh, my God. I was a kid. I was like, that. this guy used to be great? Really? Like, he was terrible. And you yeah. were uh, Tony Dorsett with the Broncos, Franco Harris with Seattle. Like, a lot of the greats hung on too long. And they got to the point where you're like, oh, my God, this guy's terrible. 
Nobody ever said that about Tom Brady. We never got to the point like, Tom Brady's terrible. He was still really good. Not the greatest, but he was still really, really good to the point where he could have played with anybody. So we never got to see him truly fail. I mean, the Bucs won a division and made the playoffs this year. He's not a losing record. We never got to see him truly fail. Yeah, no, it's a good way of looking at it. I mean, there were certainly moments this year where, I mean, Tom, he did not look well, right? He did not look great. He did not look elite by any stretch of the mat, but he was certainly competent. He was certainly still able to get the job done. And I I agree. Just about everybody hangs on too long. I mean, they, they most professional athletes kind of play it like, man, I play until you rip that jersey away from me and tell me that I can't anymore. And, and, and their skills just diminish. Tom, while his skills certainly diminished this year, it wasn't to the point where he was an utter embarrassment to himself or to his team or to anything. He could still play. There were times when it was pretty rough to watch, but it never got so bad. God, Tom, what are you doing? Get it out. Um, my first reaction, I, I watched the video, and I mean, outside of just the how low-key, and what was the word that um, Kyle Brandt this morning on Good Morning Football, lo-fi, the, the video itself was just, he's just sitting on a beach, could be anywhere, you can hear the plane over his head, right? You, you, it's just so casual and laid back. Aside from that and how unproduced the whole thing was, I, I, I totally buy it. I think it's genuine. I don't think he's doing it to promote a movie. I think if the idea that 40 days from now Tom Brady says, you know what, never mind, change my mind, I'm back, it would be such a fraud. It would be such a phony. I mean, everything that he would have worked in terms of to build in terms of the credibility of his career, he would just squander it away if we found out all he was doing was trying to promote 80 for Brady, which is coming out in theaters God only knows when. I think it's legit. I think it's real. I think he knows his decline in skills is really starting to come. And probably on the doorstep of it, and he wants to stay one step ahead of it, and and this this you know doing it now kind of gets him ahead of that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's it does. I mean, I think now you don't have to sit here and you know for him, he's got that immediate go to Fox Sports. He's got a ten year, three hundred and seventy five million dollar contract that he yanked this past summer. Um, so he's going to be able to go. Maybe he replaces Sean Payton. I don't know how it's going to play out because a lot of people like Olson, Greg Olson, the jobs he he's done. But you know the story, right? I mean, going from you know where he was picked, one hundred ninety ninth in the two thousand draft, behind six other quarterbacks and three kickers and a punt and then only played in one game as a rookie to be in the greatest that's ever played the game is truly remarkable. Um, and, and I, you know, listen, I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll look back on his career and probably say that we'll never see anybody like him again. And I don't think we will. I mean, I, I mean, I think even the 20-year-old kids that are out there now that are going to live for another 70 years are not going to see anything quite like this. I just, you know, and it's hard to say that because there's always somebody else that's great that's going to come around. But to see a guy win seven Super Bowls? No, I, I don't think that anybody that's 20 years old is going to live to see somebody else win seven Super Bowls or five Super Bowl MVPs or, or everything thing that he's accomplished. So, you know, I think it's really safe to say that there is nobody like him and we'll never see anybody like him again. All right, we are going to continue the talk. We've got Kenny Dillingham, the ASU coach, coming up to join us at about 3.15. And then James Jones, the GM of the Suns, is going to join us at 3.30. The grades are out. What did Sean Payton to the Broncos get? We'll tell you next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burnsy to the bench this quarter and just have him reconnect uh, with his Wi-Fi being a little off right now. So we'll have him reconnect and hopefully he'll be able to join us back at three. He's out this week. COVID protocols um, that we have here at the station. Um, he had COVID, so he's got a certain amount of time. He's got to stay away before he can come back. Uh, so he will be back on Monday in studio. But for the meantime, uh, we're going to try to get through today, tomorrow, and Friday show with him working remote. Um, but little connection problem wasn't sounding very good. We're going to have him reconnect. Um, so Eric Ruby's going to join me this segment. We're going to talk a little bit about Sean Payton. We got we got Kenny Dillingham. ASU with a big get coming up at 3.15. I know Sun Devil fans are pumped about them uh, and the latest player they just added, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And James Jones, we'll talk to him about Saban Lee and the the, the trade rumors and everything coming up at 3.30. But in the meantime, a lot of the grades are out. Now, I don't know. I I don't think people are blown away by Sean Payton to the Broncos. Here's Here's what they ended up giving up to have Sean Payton and Russell Wilson plus a 2022 fourth-round pick. They gave up a 2022 first, a 2022 second, a 2022 fifth, a 2023 first, a 2023 second, another 2023 first, and a 2024 second, plus Noah Fan, Shelby Harris, and Drew Luck. That's a lot to give up for a guy. Now, you know, a lot of people say, and you don't have to worry, you know, now you're the Broncos, you don't have to worry about everything but coaching. He's he's worth it. Like, he's worth it because he's a winning coach. And we'll see. I, and it's like, he's going to get paid somewhere between 17 and $20 million per year. I'm That's not a factor, right? That's just owner money. That doesn't affect fans. That doesn't affect salary cap or anything like that, what he gets paid. It's the price you pay in draft picks to get you on Peyton and Russell Wilson. You gave up a lot, and now you got to try to to, to hope it works. Eric, I was looking at, a, at a, a story today that gave it a C plus. They said you know, they went through the coaching hires so far, and they said that the the Sean Payton to Denver is a C plus. Now they graded the other ones too, but the most important one was the Sean Payton one, and they didn't have a high grade for Sean uh, for Sean Payton. C plus. D'Amico Ryan's to the Texans was an A plus. Frank Reich was a B to Carolina. But Sean Payton got a C-plus going to the Broncos. I think it's really funny because we just spent the last however many weeks talking about Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. And now that it finally happened, not a lot of people seem to be that pumped about it. Even up in Denver, our sister station, 104.3, Orlando Franklin said Payton and Russell Wilson, maybe not that great of a fit. I've never met a coach, guys, that was willing to change their philosophy. When I left the Broncos and went to the San Diego Chargers, I had at that point played four years in the NFL, got with a offensive line coach, Joe D'Alessandro, that changed everything about me because he didn't believe in offensive linemen playing at the line of scrimmage. Russell Wilson is at his absolute best when you're moving the pocket, when he's rolling out, when he's using his legs. That's what we've seen for over a decade in Seattle. Sean Payton doesn't run that style of offense. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the, the two sides could come together and find a happy medium where Russell Wilson gets to roll out a little bit of the pocket, but also Sean Payton lets him throw the ball down the field like we saw for oh, a decade and a half out of Drew Brees when Sean Payton had Drew Brees. So Sean Payton's definitely a good coach. Russell Wilson maybe not a good quarterback anymore, but their marriage maybe isn't as great as some Denver fans would hope. Look, he's going to be, Russell Wilson's going to be a hell of a lot better with Sean Payton than he was with Nathaniel Hackett. 
And, uh, and they're betting a lot on it, the Denver Broncos. But SB Nation said this. Basically, the Broncos are throwing a Hail Mary and hoping they're able to catch it. It's the only play left in the book for this situation. Not only are there questions about whether this experiment will work, but the team has to, had to give a critical draft capital to sign Peyton, meaning that he's really going to have to roll with the roster as constructed. Now, you'll have draft picks. You're just not going to have those high-end draft picks for a couple of years. But I don't think anybody hires Sean Payton and says, okay, you know, it's, it's, you got to win right now this year. Russell Wilson, after the 24 season, they could kind of get off that contract. So if it doesn't work in 23 and 24, they could go in a different direction. And at that time, if they have to make a choice between Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, Sean Payton's going to win because <laughs> he's going to have a five-year contract for probably over $100 million. So they're going to choose him, and they'll get off of the Russell Wilson thing. I think that, you know, I think that the Broncos were a good situation for him. I don't think it's a bad situation. I just, that's a juggernaut out there going up against Justin Herbert two times a year, going up against Mahomes two times a year, being in a conference with all of that talent like Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen. I mean, I don't know if he gets to the Broncos, if he gets the Broncos to the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, you know, right now you just got to try to get them to the playoffs. I mean, they were a bad football team this year, but a lot of that blame went on Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, that could be the reason why Russell Wilson wasn't very good. Once Hackett got fired, Russell Wilson had a really good game once Hackett wasn't there anymore. It's funny because now I'm looking back and I'm thinking, okay, if you're in the Broncos situation, yes, you gave up a couple picks for Sean Payton. You trade in picks for a coach. I know, Gambo, you're pretty out on just trading picks for a coach in general. But you have to double down. If you already sent everything you already sent for Russell Wilson, you listed off the other quarterbacks just in his division. You're going to try to win with Russell Wilson, and you need to do it in the next couple of years. And if Sean Payton wants to come to Denver, then you have to capitalize that by any means. This just happened to be the means. Yeah, I wasn't happy or sad either way that Sean Payton wasn't the Cardinals coach. I was more relieved that they didn't have to give up that type of draft capital. I didn't want to give up this year's first. I didn't want to give up next year's first. Now, if you could have told me that you could have Sean Payton and you give up this year's second, okay. I'm not going to give up the number three pick in the draft for Sean Payton. Payton. And I don't want to give up next year's first round pick for Sean Payton either because the Cardinals may not have Kyler Murray for half the year. They might be really bad again next year. Like, I don't want to give that pick up. What if that's a top five pick? So, like, to give up picks like that, I don't want to do. The Broncos are giving up a pick in the late 20s. That's, uh, again, close to what the Cardinals are picking in the second round. I would have been okay with that to get Sean Payton. But, the, like, the other factor is the money he's going to get paid. I Like, that That doesn't affect me or you. It or, can't. If you're going to go get cares. Sean Payton, you can't care about the check that you're writing for no, it's Sean because Payton. It's, because it's, it's not cap money. It's not related to the cap. It's just Michael money. And, well, it's, it's new owners it's in Denver, It's owner's too. money. You it's, want to, a, yeah. it's a new era. You're going to bring in a new quarterback. It didn't work out. Where you going to do cheap out if Sean Payton wants to come to Denver? You can't do that if no, you're Denver. No. I mean, it, listen, there's going to be a certain requirement that he has money for his staff, too. Like, hey, I'm going to put together a good staff. I need a certain amount of money for my staff. That could be a lot of money. So, But they're willing to do it. If Michael would have been willing to do that, that would have been fine. I didn't want to give up the draft compensation, but I would have been okay with giving up Michael's money because who cares about Michael's money outside of Michael? Like, you that's can't. Not a cap yeah, you thing. can't. And yeah. also, now you said the uh, the grades in the story. It's a C plus. You're relieved it didn't happen for the Cardinals, but what would you grade it for Denver if you were bringing out the red pen? Is it higher, lower than a C plus? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, everybody likes to grade these things now, right? They gave D'Amico Ryans to Houston an A+. Frank Reich to Carolina a B. Sean Payton got the lowest grade here on SB Nation with a C+. Um, 
I, I don't like it's very, really hard to sit there and say it. You've got it's hard to give him a bad grade because you got a guy that's won a Super Bowl before. It's had a lot of success in this league. It's going to build a great staff. So it's hard to say that it's going to get a bad grade. It's you know, we'll know in three years, five years, whether this worked out. Like I've said all along, these coaching hires, look, somebody's not going to last the length of their contract. D'Amico Ryans, Frank Reich, whoever the Colts hire, whoever the Cardinals hire, a couple of those guys are not going to make it to the end of the contract. They're going to be bad hires. And those guys are going to get fired after a year or two years or maybe three years. Then I don't think Sean Payton's going to get fired. So from that aspect, I think it's a pretty good grade. All right, the Suns taking on the Hawks tonight. Time is running out on Atlanta. We'll tell you why. That's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.